Okay, um, so normally I share a little story, and it's usually like some form of something I've done on a trip. This time I'm going to share something that's, it was Joe's fault, not mine. So um, uh, we just got back from a trip to Oregon, and we were like wanting to do all this hiking and all this stuff. Well, then Morgan sprained her ankle, so we really couldn't do so much hiking, so we had to take it easy. So we're at... Um, this store and this lady was telling us, oh, there's, there's this place called God's Valley and there's like 2,500 elk there and they've all just had their babies and you can just go out there and watch them graze. And Joe was like, we need to do that. And I was like, okay. So it's like on the way to our next stop anyway, so we're just going to go on the way. Okay, so the lady gave him directions. Okay, we we didn't have a map or whatever. She, it was like, you know, when people say, you come to that fork in the road and you take it. You know, it was something like that. So I tried to plug it in on my maps, but the reception was terrible because it was so far out. It's way away from everything. So we turned down this road, and it's like all ridged out, I guess, so the winter and the rain don't wash everything away. So we're like bouncing down through there and, and like like almost vibrating off the road, and I'm like, I don't see anything like what she said, you know, and he's like, and I said, no, he said, this is off the beaten path. I said, well, the elk are not going to be right off the side of the road, but then as, as we got further down, I was like, and we went through this gate that you could tell is normally locked, and I was like, hmm, this is so weird, and it was like the road was just big enough for the car, and I was like, I hope we don't have to pass anybody. Well, soon, here comes this humongous 18-wheeler logging truck full of trees, and they're just flying toward us. And I was like, he's not going to stop. He's not going to stop. So we're like, we're, we're like pulled over, and we're all like this because we're on the side of the road, and he just like stops, and his eyeballs are this big. And Joe had earlier jokingly said, I hope she didn't send us off somewhere, you know, to get us killed. <laughs> and, okay, when this man approached us, I was like, she really did do that. Oh, this man is going to kill us. He was like, what are y'all doing, you know? And we're like, we're just looking for the elk or whatever. And he, he was like, you need to turn around immediately, like right now. I was like, oh, my God, we're about to see what they're doing back here, you know. And so he was like, just go out in front of me. So we did, and we vibrated all the way back, you know, down that road. And he was like, I mean, like right on our bumper. I just knew he was just like doing that so he could kill us and run over us and all that. But the gate that we went through was closed. So we were like, I was like, the gate's closed. Oh, my God, we're trapped. And so this guy luckily opened the gate for us, and we, we just hoped for the best because the maps wouldn't work to get us back to the main road for a long time. We went the wrong way. It was terrible. Anyway, that has nothing to do with the message, but I wanted to let y'all know I'm not the only one that does dumb things in my family, Joda. So. <laughs> okay. okay, so um, we've been in a series called Jesus. Um, and we've heard so much about, you know, what Jesus did and the links that the, you know, early Christians went to to, you know, just proclaim the gospel and it cost them their lives and the goodness of God and God's love and Jesus' obedience, all that, you know, just 
was so impactful and had changed the world. And we talked about things that Jesus did, you know, feeding the 5,000 and all those things. And I, I knew that my time was coming up to speak. And, you know, I was thinking, what? Lord, just, I don't know. I mean, everybody's heard all the stories and I don't want it to be like that. You know, I, I just wanted to really make it relevant for us today, you know, and, and, and Keith and Kenny and Connie all do a great job with all that, but sometimes I struggle staying on point and bringing it home. So, you know, I really wanted to, for God to show me a passage that would really, you know, speak to somebody's heart tonight. And if it doesn't speak to yours, it it did speak to mine, and I have learned a lot through this. So, um, it's John chapter 9. And we're just going to start at the beginning of the chapter. Uh, It says in verse 1, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? And we know back then, you know, if there was something wrong with somebody, they believed that it was because of a sin that they had committed or that their parents had committed, and that was their punishment. And a lot of cultures still believe that, like in the third world especially. They think if, you know, um, in Africa there's a home for albino children because they believe they're cursed, because they don't look like everybody else. They don't understand that that's pigment and all that. And so back then it was kind of like that. So they asked Jesus, why was he born blind? Who sinned here? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who has sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man that used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. To him it was simple. He just did what Jesus told him to do. But just like in our lives, when Jesus touches us or changes our heart or works something out in our life and our life changes you know, when, when you commit your life to Jesus and you start pursuing Him, and everybody can tell that you're different. It's like, I'm, I knew them a long time ago, but God, it's like they're a different person. And they're like, no, I, I'm me. I'm just, I've been changed. I have a new life now. And I think that is so cool because that is, I always say, that's the one thing that the world cannot explain away is a new life, a changed heart. Um, The Bible, Kenny has said several times, and I've said it too, you know, about the passage in the Bible where it says, you know, 
He will take out your heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. He literally gives us a new purpose a new life, a new heart. We see the world in a different way. We see our life in a different way. We know that we have a purpose and a calling. And, and as God reveals that to us, we change more and more. We want to be more and more like Him. And we want to know Him more intimately. And so, so the neighbors, you know, were saying, is that that same guy that we've always seen sitting out there? And some were like, yeah, I think that's him. And other people were like, no, it just looks like him. There's no way that he can see now. And that's the same thing that happens when someone surrenders their life to Christ. And I just think that's, that's so cool. Um, one thing I want to point out is when the disciples asked who sinned, why did this happen to him? And Jesus said it was not because of his sins or his parents' sin. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. Okay, I was thinking about that. And I was like, what, what does that mean? Like, why? Like, so he was like basically cursed and crippled in a way his whole life. So so people could see the power in him, but God could have chosen another way to show his power. He didn't have to make that man blind. That man didn't do anything to deserve that. And so I was thinking about it over and over, and I, I was like, I don't know. And, and then I started thinking about, um, you know, I was like, I don't know if anything like that's ever happened to me, like where I didn't deserve something. And, you know, and did I give, give it to God to be glorified in it? And I just thought and thought, and I... And, and I just started thinking about um, things that I had been through. And, and I started thinking, well, I did that. I, that was my fault, you know, and this and that. And then I thought about a time when fear crippled me to the point of keeping me from living a normal life. Um, and then I thought, why was I like that? I wasn't always like that. What made me like that? When did it change? And I really thought back and when, when I had a baby, um, a baby boy, and he, and he lived for two hours and, and then passed away. Um, that was in 2002, so 15 years ago. When that happened, it was like um, somehow I allowed the enemy to shut a part of me down. And years went by, like a long time. And I didn't, I didn't talk about Mitchell. I didn't, um, I, I slipped away from the connections I had with my Christian friends and I literally was become like imprisoned in my own house like I was terrified of everything and I I thought why did that happen like why did that have to happen and so after all that, um, after he was born, that Joe and I had to have tests done to make sure it wasn't something that we had caused so we would know not to have any more kids together or whatever. And um, so, you know, 
when, when it came back, and, you know, it wasn't anything to do with us. It wasn't our fault. Um, you know, I, I just remember, I was never mad at God, but I just didn't understand, and I was so afraid that something would happen to Morgan, or that if I had another child, something would happen to that child. You know, I was just afraid of everything. And it was like the enemy had a grip on me saying, I can't believe this happened to you. You better not move. You better stay right here because you never know when the sky's going to fall and you're going to get crushed, you know. And so that's how I lived my life, almost literally, almost. Um, I really was crippled by this. But there came a time when I decided that it was wrong for me. It was like God was stirring in me and, and reminding me that He loves me and there's a purpose for everything. And the word that I knew in my heart from being so young and growing up and hearing God's word all my life came back to me. And it was like the Holy Spirit was comforting me even though I was still in pain and I didn't understand everything that was happening it was like the promises of God and the Word of God was so inside of me that even the enemy's voice could not drown it out. And I began to thank God for Mitchell, for the, for the opportunity to be able to, you know, let him be a donor so he could help other people. It was like I started trying to find the positive in everything. And then I was like, I'm not going to be a prisoner to the enemy of my soul who wants to kill me. I'm letting him kill me. I'm letting him steal my voice for the Lord. I'm letting him rule my life. And the more I began to talk about the goodness of God and, and think on the things, of, um, the things that God had done in my life and tell other people about him, I realized that that fear was slowly going away. It was real and it was hurtful and painful. Just like if you struggle with insecurity or if you struggle with depression or you have financial, you know, freakouts or whatever because you don't, you feel like you don't make enough money or you, you don't know if you should start a family yet or, you know, school's starting back and everybody bullies you and you don't know how you're going to make it. Those are real things and you can't just have more faith and it disappear like magic. It's, it doesn't work like that. Our problems are real. But the, the amazing part is, no matter what we're going through on any day, in any situation, God is bigger than that. And we have to remember the truth of His Word and we have to proclaim His goodness and we have to continue sharing the love of Christ with the world and... It's like God, while we are reaching out to others, he is, he is ministering to our heart and strengthening our faith and helping us get through one more day, one more hour, one more situation. And when you look back, and it's been 5 or 10 or 15 years, you think, God has never left me. God called back to remembrance all the things that I know to be true about Him and all the things that that are true that in His Word. And in the world, when you do that and the world knows that you've suffered a great loss or that you struggle or that you used to be like this and now you're like this because God rules your heart instead of yourself, they cannot help but to see Jesus instead of you. And that's what, that's what God showed me. The things that I've been through in my life that I had no control over 
God was doing that so that my light for Christ could be seen by the world. And the things that we do mess up on, I have a bunch of those too. When, when you let God redeem your past and you just surrender it all and let it go, that reaches people too. Nobody could relate to you if you did not have a backstory where God was the, where Jesus was the hero in your story and rescued you and changed you. So remember that. There are so many things that are ahead of, for all of us, but especially, you know, if you're in high school, there's a big life coming your way, but God never changes. He is faithful. What he says in here is still relevant today, just like this blind man being born. You know, who can really relate to that in this room? Not many people, but when we put it in our own life and we see that when we're changed and people don't recognize us, they see that it's the work of the Lord and then they want to know about this light that you carry because it's not you that is capable of changing your own heart. It's Jesus, only Jesus. So I thought that was so cool. And I have another um, passage that I want to read real quick. It's 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 5. Um, it says, this is Paul talking. And, and this is like for anybody going through anything. Like I could never sit here and describe all the scenarios that everybody in this room is going through. But we, we're not dumb. We know everybody's going through something, okay? Um, and, and I just think it's so just proof that this word is alive because it speaks to every situation, whether it names it or not. Um, Paul says, You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great, this great treasure. This makes it clear that our power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. That's everybody else. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. If we're not careful, this Jesus that we hear about week in and week out can become just like a subject at school that we're learning about. You know, it's just like knowledge up here. Let it reach your heart. Let it change you. Don't let the light be snuffed out by everything this world throws at us because we are pressed on every side. 
But just like it says, we have the light inside of us. And yes, we break and, and we do wrong and we face persecution we don't think we can get through or we have the worst day that we don't, we don't know what we're going to do. But we don't walk alone if we walk with Christ. Everything that Keith and Kenny and Connie and me and anybody else who's up here proclaiming Jesus Christ will tell you that we don't walk alone. And yes, it's hard. This, it, just like he said, when you start following Jesus, it's going to be hard. It's going to be harder than before because you're going against the grain. Like Keith said, it's, it feels... It's frustrating sometimes because you're always going against everybody else. Like you've determined to die to yourself and live for Jesus. So that means you've already got opposition right there. And it's easier just to turn around and go with the flow. I know it is. But that light cannot be seen by the world if you blend in with everybody else. It is so important to remember that God loves you even when you're in your room at night and you don't know what you're going to do because you feel like you're so alone and nobody cares. It's not true. Even when circumstances happen in your family that you have no control over because you're just a kid in the family, you're not alone. Don't let that be taken away, your voice, your light your witness for him, when you keep going, people are going to say, they look, it looks like them, but God, they're so different. Is that, is that who was here last year at school? I mean, they're completely, it's like they're a completely different person. That is the power of Jesus that we have inside of us if we have a relationship with him. And if you don't have a relationship with Him, don't wait another day. If you feel the Holy Spirit pulling you toward Him, don't block that out. Don't deny that because it is the most beautiful life you can live knowing that somebody loved you so much that they sent their son to die for you because you couldn't do it by yourself. The gospel is a beautiful picture of adoption. You know, when you see a family with an adopted child, you're like, oh my God, that is so, you know, just everybody loves that. That is what God did for us through Jesus. And God's love sent Jesus. Jesus' obedience and death on the cross made a way. He rescued us. And we give God the glory by living our life for Him and shining that light everywhere we go. It's a beautiful picture of completion. It's, it's the perfect plan. It's the perfect plan. And, and like I said, even though you're going to have really tough times, you really are, and they're real. And, and it's going to be tough. You don't walk alone. You'll never be alone. And... Lean into God's Word and lean on the truth of His Word and know that He is trustworthy and this Word is relevant for us today. I have one more verse that 
that um, I just want to share with you. I want to leave it with you. I want you to think on it, um, like put it in your notes in your phone. Um, I didn't tell Brett about this, so it's not going to be on the screen. And I didn't mark it, so it's going to take me just a second. Okay. It is, I just read it by chance, and I was like, that's it. That's that's it. And and the the Old Testament and the New Testament tying together so perfectly is incredible too. It's Psalm 115, verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name goes all the glory for your unfailing love and faithfulness. That is that was true then. It was true after Jesus came and died, and it's true today. Not to us, but to you, because of your great love and faithfulness. It's all about Jesus. Everything we do here, everything we do here is about Jesus, and it's about everybody else. We've, we've heard that a bunch of times here. It's not about me and my sob story. It's not about what I've been through. It's about the redeeming power of Jesus in my heart where when I go through something that I should not be able to walk through, I am walking through with Jesus, and He gets the honor for that. And the world sees that. And they don't see me. They see Him. The whole goal is for the world to see Jesus. We are to point everybody to Jesus. And so if, if there is anything in your heart that is not settled or you're going through something, don't just sit there and be like, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just, you know, just come down here. And even though there's no magic wand and it's not going to disappear tomorrow, just, just come and be honest with God. Just... Just let him know how you feel. Just pour your heart out and be honest. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you wonder what it's about, talk to Keith. Talk to anybody in here that you know that can talk with you about that. My challenge is to myself and to all of us, don't, don't let the enemy steal what Jesus has done from us. Don't let him steal the joy of the knowledge of what has been done for us. We have got, we, in Galatians it says that it was for freedom that Jesus gave us, makes us free. So we're not weighed down by all that stuff. We don't have to be bogged down and trapped and afraid. We're no longer slaves to that. We've been set free. Live in the freedom that Jesus offers us. And, and thank God for it.